welcome to the Defender Podcast, a resource to help mobilize and equip the body of Christ to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children. This podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, and I'm your host, Herbie Newell. Today is Wednesday, February 2nd, 2022, and again, I am joined by the great and wise one, Dr. Rick, here on the Defender Podcast, and we are continuing our series, really, when we look at the sanctity of life and practical things that we can be doing in caring for vulnerable women, uh, especially those that are walking through maybe an unintended a crisis, uh, pregnancy, those who are in this crisis that are vulnerable as pregnant women. And we really thought of no one better than to bring on then uh, our dear friend, our teammate, Marie Gunn. Marie works in the Hattiesburg, Mississippi area and really works throughout the Alabama and Mississippi Gulf Coast working with women and families and children. Uh, she does a fantastic job. Uh, we had the opportunity several years ago, about three years ago, uh, to graft uh, an organization into ours along Mississippi. And one of the great wins was having Marie Gunn come upon our team and to work with our team. And so I know that y'all are going to be just blessed to be able to get to hear from her, to get to hear from her experience. She is one of the best at discipling, loving on, and caring for women in crisis. And I know that she will be able to really help us connect to what's going on in the minds and the hearts of these women, but also how can we be engaged and involved in that as well. But before uh, we do bring on the old wise one, Dr. Rick. I want to remind you uh, about a book that we put out several years ago called Image Bears. Actually, in January of 2020, so two years ago, we put out this book called Image Bears, Shifting from Pro-Birth to Pro-Life. And, and our team worked hard and put this together. And, and really, if you're looking for something new to read this year, Image Bears dives into what it means to really be pro-life, not just pro-birth. It includes prayer guides, tips to care for the fatherless in your community and around the world, uh, things that you can use to discuss in a small group with thought-provoking questions. You can purchase your copy of Image Bears at lifelinechild.org backslash image dash bears. Again, that's lifelinechild.org backslash image dash bears, or see the show notes for more details, or as the place everybody goes, you can always go to Amazon and look for Image Bears. Well, Dr. Rick, so grateful to be able to continue this, especially with uh, someone as knowledgeable and as passionate as Marie Gunn. Um, you know, one of the things, even as we go, that I do have to give just a, a caveat for people that know Dr. Rick, probably uh, outside of Alabama football, the thing he likes to talk about the most is Hattiesburg, Mississippi, and the time he spent in Hattiesburg. Right. So you've got two folks from Hattiesburg on here. So for all the listeners, if they start mentioning uh, names of places or <laughs> things that we don't know about. I'm just as lost as you are. So Dr. Rick, grateful to have Marie on and to, to really just continue this idea of the sanctity of life. Yeah, this is going to be fun. And I've uh, been really looking forward to the opportunity to talk to Marie today. And, and Hey, I just want to point out Herbie that, you know, I've gone from now being the venerable to the old and, and I looked up, venerable in the dictionary the other day. And yeah, I think it just kind of really means old. So um, I appreciate you dumbing it down for people like me so that we can, uh, you know, so that, so that, so that we can handle it on our level, but uh, it means revered. It means revered. <laughs> uh, it means sanctimonious. You know, it's, it's a word that you're, it's respected for wisdom. Right. And so 
Yeah. Well, when I when I was a little when I was a little younger and looked a little less like Santa Claus, um, the Lord uh, the Lord led us to uh, to have a, a, a time to minister in Hattiesburg, and uh, and so it is definitely a place that I love a lot, and there are a lot of people that are there that are that are dear to us, and uh, but um, but it's funny that when Marie and I actually met. Although we ran in the same circles and have lots of friends in common, we hadn't met until um, Lifeline, you know, reached out and adopted the ministry that she was a part of. And and so um, we just had the opportunity to make a lot of connections and become fast friends. And um, Marie, just so thankful for you and for what you do and um, really just your faithfulness to um, to love on and to 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 point toward Jesus, um, with a lot of people who are, um, just, you know, at times hurt and confused and scared and, and really don't have, um, much of anybody to, to do that for them in, in much of any way. And so thanks for being on, thanks for, for coming and, and having this conversation with us. And, um, I think, you know, one of the things that I hear a lot when we're talking to people about our, uh, pregnancy counseling ministry and about the way that we um, minister to expected parents um, is people often ask like how do people like how do they how do parents find you how do you connect with parents and uh, and that's something like you're in the you're in the thick of every day and so maybe could you start off by just kind of talking a little bit about um, you know the like how how do you meet um, expecting parents who are in need. Yeah, so sure thing. And thank you, Herbie and Rick for having me. And I am extremely passionate about um, expectant women in crisis and, and vulnerable families. And so <clears throat> women and families find me and Lifeline through our partners. And we go out and we really... Um, seek out strategic partners and partner with us and to really help spread the gospel. So we partner with crisis pregnancy centers and we have wonderful relationships right here in the Pine Belt area with the Hope Clinic and with Choices of Laurel and a crisis pregnancy center in Meridian. Um, and they just do fabulous work with women and they help share the gospel as well. We partner with hospitals and OBGYN clinics um, homeless shelters, other community organizations. And, um, you know, where I really see the Lord working is when it comes through past client referrals or even current client referrals. Um, I think that is truly when the Lord shows up in a way that, that I've often said, you know, these women come from truly hard places. And um, we've had referrals when my, my favorite story is on a Saturday at my daughter's track meet my phone rings and it was a client I haven't talked to in several months. And she said, Miss Marie, do you remember me? And I'm like, of course I do. And she said, I have a lady here. And she was in a house that is known to be infused with drugs. And the, and the community that the home is in has law enforcement's aware that it's just not a great place. And she said, I have a girl here that needs you just like I needed you. And so that connection is like where God just shows up in big, big places. So that is how that is how we connect with women. And that is how God shows up in, 
and hard places. I was hoping you were going to tell that story because I think, you know, it's like one of those, one of those things where the, in the most unexpected places, the most unexpected ways, um, you know, God brings women to, to light and brings them, you know, to us and, and they end up on your doorstep and it's, it's many times, um, you know, there's not just kind of one way there's a lot. And, and I mean, who would think in the middle of a difficult part of town in a house that was known, you know, to be a place where people would, you know, go to, you know, do drugs. I mean, honestly, and, and that in that place, she found somebody who pointed her to you and you had the opportunity to walk with her and point her to Jesus and, you know, really just kind of a, kind of a very cool story and in the way that God, you know, that God accomplished that. But, um, but it, it certainly illustrates the fact that there's kind of, you know, there's kind of not a, a pattern to it. Um, but maybe there are some kind of common vulnerabilities, kind of some common things that you see that are, that are themes in the lives of the the women that you work with. And, and so maybe just, you know, kind of share with the folks that are listening um, to just kind of give them a, a, a bit of a way to identify with um, some of the things that you commonly see that are that are going on in the lives of um, clients that you end up working with. So I always like to say that the common thread, I think, um, is brokenness and the need the need for the gospel. And so um, some of the the vulnerabilities um, are, are the same and they're different and the lifespan is much different. I think when I came into adoption, I thought, you know, oh, young girls, teenagers, college kids, you know, and that is not what we see. We see some of that, but we see a lot of across the across the lifespan into the mid and, you know, upper 40s of just um, brokenness. <clears throat> and so some of that um, comes back from um, generational dysfunction in families, a lack of support within families, um, finances, unstable housing and homelessness, um, job instability, sickness and illness that just doesn't allow for healthy parenting, um, as well as past or present addictions, either themselves or within their support system that isn't gonna allow for um, healthy parenting. and, you know, definitely a lack of support within the communities, you know, just not having a church family or, or, or whatever that brings. So lots of vulnerabilities, but certainly the common thread in all of those is a brokenness and a, and a need to um, for a soft place um, of acceptance and of where they are um, in, in their journey. Yeah, we know even as we work with these women, you know, I think even as hearing you talk about all the vulnerabilities they're going through, I think the common misnomer or misconception is that these women, the only thing that's wrong is they're pregnant and they're just trying to figure out what to do with this, this pregnancy. But as we all know, the pregnancy is really one of a litany of issues that these women are going through. And, and actually the pregnancy of anything might've just been the catalyst to get her seeking for help and, and the help is, is on all these other issues. I, you know, I, I think too, there are a lot of misconceptions, you know, especially as we even talk about the sanctity of life, 
there's this misconception that women are just looking around looking for places to have an abortion and that they just that's like a desire they just want to do that but but really even if we look at the vulnerabilities we realize that a lot of these women are coming with such baggage and and they really don't know where to turn and common culture is trying to tell them that that will fix their problem by just eliminating and terminating and aborting this pregnancy where what we all know is she enters into an abortion clinic. They may, but let's say she has an abortion. They've taken away the life of her child, but they haven't ever addressed any of her true needs spiritually, physically, emotionally. Uh, and so what Marie are other just misconceptions that you encounter about the women you work with that, that people just have these misconceptions about the women that, that are your clients. Yeah. So that is so interesting because just yesterday, our Christy Max Seegers, one of our own here at Lifeline and I were talking and we were talking about the pro-life and pro-choice. And she said, you know, the interesting part of the pro-choice side of things is that we as pro-life want to put the word choice back in it because our women do have choices and with those choices um, is empowerment and there's empowerment on the side of parenting and there's empowerment on the side of placing your child for adoption. And so I think one of the misconceptions that I would say if I were just talking to people that are um, not adoption aware or adoption educated would be that these women are um, selfish or that they they just don't want to parent. They don't want to do the right thing. They don't want to just do the hard and or that it would make it too hard on them so they're weak when I would invite them to come in in the first five minutes of being in the presence of one of these women. It is so obvious that they are the exact opposite. Um, I can't tell you how many how many adoptive families walk in a room with their adoptive um, with their birth mother and within minutes are completely changed by what they even thought prior to meeting her face to face. It is it is a selflessness um, and it's a strength that can't really be explained until you're walking through it with these women and you see what it takes to grow a baby in your womb for nine months and to give it life and place it in the arms of another woman that is going to walk with you in this adoption journey as a, as part of that triad and give your baby the life that you dream for it. And so, yeah, I, I truly think that the misconception is that there's some thread of selfishness or some, some other motivation in there other than pure, um, pure selflessness to do the right thing for their baby. You know, and I know, and, and we've, we've even mentioned here, and for those that don't know you, I mean, you, you really do invest so heavily in the lives of these women. Um, you know, we've watched you and know that you give of yourself to each of these women. Um, and, and what's great about that is really, we know the truth. You're not giving yourself, you're giving the gospel, which is who you are. You're giving your relationship with Christ and you're, you're, you're going in the power of Christ to these ladies. But with all of this, what are some ways that you've seen the Lord at work in your life or in, in the lives of these women? And how have you seen him direct them towards life, like change their perceptions, change their trajectory to, to point them towards life? One of the one of the stories that comes to mind when you ask that immediately and how um, how God shows up and shows these women that he loves them is a story um, 
in a case with a, a birth mom about a year ago that I received a call from a crisis pregnancy center. And when I took the call within the first three sentences, I knew that it was not me, that it was bigger than me. And I was, I was calling God in on that one. I thought, wow, this is, this is going to take all of you, God. Like I'll drive the car and I will physically show up as Marie Gunn, but this is, this needs you and it needs you now. And it was a lady who was on her fourth pregnancy. And she also had just walked across the street from the local abortion clinic. And it was her third time over there. And on that third time, they sent her away um, because she still had a positive pregnancy test. So she had gone through with two failed abortions. And when she got over there the third time to say, I'm still pregnant, she was sent away. So by the grace of God, she walked across the street to a women's resource center and they called me and connected us. And so when I, within two hours, two and a half, maybe I was, I was with her. She left there, went, got some lunch and, and I came in right behind her and, and we began meeting together. And, and at first she didn't want to pray at first. She was just in a hard spot and like, how could God do this to me? And look now at what I've done to my baby. So we went back to the ultrasound room and by all human testing and what the human eye could see, this baby girl was viable and she was alive and she was healthy. And so as this mother wept, she just said, I I need you to pray with me. And so we prayed and for six more months we met and, um, and we continued to pray. And she placed her baby girl in the arms of her adoptive family. And we still talk. And she um, is in a much better place than when we found her. And she has acknowledged that the Lord is working in her life. And so that in itself is the way the Lord uses Lifeline to share the gospel and walk alongside these women and show them a little bit of what he looks like. That's, I mean, that's so powerful, you know, just to, to understand that this is, um, you know, this is really something that as a ministry, we have an opportunity, um, to, to be a part of, but, but God's at work and God's at work in the lives of these women and in the work, you know, in, in, in the lives of doctors and nurses and, Home, you know, people running homeless shelters and all these different kinds of people that are along the way that that help to kind of bring this network of connectivity um, so that you're able to meet, you know, th- these ladies and able to begin relationship with them. And uh, but I think one of one of the groups that, um, you know, as a ministry that like we always want to focus on is the church. And, and we, you know, part of our mission statement is that we, we exist to equip the body of Christ to do this work. And, and so um, Lifeline doesn't want to be a ministry that does things apart from the church or away from the church. We want to be, you know, in, in partnership and relationship and ultimately, you know, given the church the opportunity to be able to do this ministry. And, and so, Marie, I'd love for you to talk about um, in 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 the ministry that you have, um, how is how is the church able to be involved? How do you how do you connect churches 
to this work and and to give churches the opportunity to um, to minister to women who find themselves in a vulnerable condition and and to be able to um, you know like walk out the gospel and the fruit of the gospel with them. Yes, so. I feel that aligning with Lifeline is, of course, the first um, step in in these churches being aware. And Lifeline has done so much of that groundwork and that footwork through different programs that we have um, that churches don't have to go in and implement or or reinvent the wheel and find their own programs. That we have really got people on staff here that are educators and social workers and, and people that have done the work to to create these um programs that we just need them to know about them. And so for us to go in and, and do the teachings to see what, what is in your congregation and what do you see and how can Lifeline come alongside you and partner with you um, in different ways. So I think them knowing their community and really knowing the needs of their congregation and the needs of their community is step one. Um, and then knowing there are other partners as well. So if, if they're not, you know, calling Lifeline directly, that they know who the other gospel-focused people are in our community so that we are sending women in the right direction so that, yes, we can give diapers and, yes, we can we can help with these type things and these material things, but there's something much bigger than that in order to leave a woman better than you found her because the diapers will run out and the formula will run out. And we need to make sure that we are speaking life into these women and that we are guiding them well by showing them the gospel and doing the hard with them and having those hard conversations of, um, of what the true need is in their, in their temporary crisis. Um, so that is kind of my thought when I think of um, what the church could do is, is really know your community resources and know who, um, where to send women that without fail, they will hear um, they will hear the word and they will hear how much they're loved and they're valued. You know, I think, um, th- th- I mean, that's such a, such a fitting, um, thought that, that like part of the, part of the responsibility of the church is just awareness. Um, and, and that many times the truth is that, um, these, these, these women, are um, sort of out of sight and out of mind to us, and and they may not be in places where um, you know where they're a part of our daily lives and our kind of our normal traffic patterns and those sorts of things. And so, um, you know, being aware that God is at work in the community and God is at work in the lives of of, of women who have you know sometimes great tangible needs, but but have have a great need for, for Christ. Um, and, and the church just being aware of those things is, you know, is incredibly, terribly, um, important. And, and I think, um, and also then realizing that, that the ongoing needs that these women have are like, they're well served by the church, right? Like they, what they need is they need the community and, the discipleship and the support and the modeling and all that stuff that comes within the context of, the, of you know, the body of Christ. And that, and then ultimately all of those things are kind of working together to, to point them to, um, to Jesus and, and to life in Christ. And that, that, that is, 
you know, I think you, I mean, you said it beautifully earlier, like that is, that's kind of the common denominator. That's the thing that we see, you know, over and over again. And, uh, and so I, I just, you know, Marie, one of the things I love about you is just keeping the main thing, the main thing. And, uh, and that no matter the, you know, the very needs or the different situations or the ways that you meet people or, or those sorts of things, like all of that just really runs to the cross. It runs to Jesus and to his work. And, um, and I'm just so thankful for you and, and for that being the, you know, the center point, center point of, of, of the service that, you know, that you provide to women. Um, so how can the folks that are listening to this podcast, how can they join you in prayer? How can they, how can they support you in the work that the Lord has called you to do? And, and what would be some things that you would, you would say, um, like, I really need my brothers and sisters in the body of Christ to come alongside me and, and to join me in the thing that God's called me to do. Well, it's funny because week before last, I gave an answer. That's going to be the same answer. And then yesterday in a meeting, our sweet administrator that's been with Lifeline for many years, Margaret Hitt said the same prayer request. And I thought, okay, well then this is it. So here it is. Um, It is that women will find a way to Lifeline. They will be connected, whether it's the person at the convenience store or a dropped business card in a parking lot or a policeman that goes to church with me or, or you or however that connection is made whether it's in communities that we are, that Lifeline doesn't even know about, rural communities that someone will know about Lifeline or someone will know a crisis pregnancy center that knows about Lifeline. So our big prayer request right now is that the Lord will find a way for women to find their way to Lifeline. Because once we connect with them, we are able to make that relationship and we are able to speak life into their situation and speak hope into their situation. And so more, more than anything, that is, that is what we are doing as a Mississippi team right now is praying for women to be connected to us and for us to be able to get in relationship with women and leave them better than we found them. Amen. I couldn't have said that any better. And, you know, we're just so grateful for the work that our team does, but I hope that for those that are listening, you would just lean in and truly pray that the Lord would direct these women because the more women he directs us to, we're going to, the more we're going to need the church to come alongside and help and, and, and support these women. And so one of the things that we can do for the sanctity of life is really to start on our knees and to pray, to pray for the women who are in these tough places, to, to pray for those who are ministering to them, to, Pray that the Lord would direct them to the place they need to go, where they're going to have their life affirmed and the life of their child's life affirmed, and more importantly, be pointed to Christ Jesus. And so I hope that as we look at the sanctity of life, and we've taken these last several weeks to really contemplate what even maybe a post-row world would look like, I pray that we would realize that it's going to start on our knees before the Lord on behalf of the lives of these men and on behalf of the lives of of these women and of these children. And so we thank you again for joining us for the Defender Podcast. Thankful for the venerable Dr. Rick, um, the passionate Marie, and just this opportunity to have this discussion and know that if you need any help 
and getting engaged with pro-life ministry. We're always here to help. You can visit us at our website, lifelinechild.org. You can search for us on social media. All of our hashtags are at lifelinechild. You can find us, get connected. We would love nothing more than connect you to this movement of protecting life, defending life, and ultimately pointing life to the gospel of Christ Jesus. Thanks for listening to the Defender Podcast. If you enjoy making this podcast a part of your weekly routine, we'd love for you to take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review the Defender Podcast to make it easier for more people to find. For more information on how you and your church can partner with Lifeline, visit us at lifelinechild.org. If you want to connect with me, please visit herbienewell.com. Follow us at Lifeline on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at lifelinechild.org. Beloved, will you allow God to use the gospel through you to impact the life of a child? Please contact us because we are here to defend the fatherless. We'll see you again next week for the Defender Podcast.